TAI item 306, May 7th, 2014. Fred Wilson says dumb things again. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song with my iPhone 4S using GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, JeffJ. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Pam for sending in the artwork for today's show. Pam wrote the following. Hi, Rob. This is a picture of the sample gates at Indiana University taken on my husband's iPhone 4S, which I transferred to my iPhone 5, on which I then used the app Phonton, P-H-O-N-T-O, to add the text and to crop it. Regards, Pam B, Bloomington, Indiana. Pam, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Pam's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 306, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote, quote, who's going to buy an Apple iPad? Well, not you or me anyway, not this version, not at 600 to $800. It's not going to revolutionize anything. It's not going to replace netbooks, but it will find large and devoted audiences, particularly after the price drops and some features get added, unquote. Bruce Barris, Bruce B. Consulting, 4th of February, 2010. In response to that, we have the following quote. Really, not a bad analysis, except for the part about being wrong and completely missing the biggest technology shift of our generation, unquote. Also, Bruce Barris, Bruce B. Consulting, 14th of March, 2010. He's just saying. You do have to give Bruce a little bit of credit. Within 40 days, he was able to go from it's a nothing to it's the biggest technology shift of our generation. For promo codes on episode 305, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the iBook Purgatory 13 Tales of the Macabre. We will be giving out those promo codes sometime this week. If you would like to learn more about this iBook, go back and listen to the beginning of episode 305 for more details. This week, we have promo codes for a few apps. The first three are for the apps Grand Canyon, Antarctica, and San Jacinto. And here is the review from the dev. I'm Larry Ketcherset from Josara Media, which makes apps ebooks, audiobooks, and helps nonprofits do the same. We've just released a new version of our Grand Canyon app, and Rob, you were kind enough to feature the first version of this app in episode 188 way back in August of 2011. Seems like yesterday. That was our first app, and our app has now been updated to include Colorado River rafting from Lee's Ferry, which is known as Mile Zero through the Grand Canyon, all the way down to Mile 180, whether you've been rafting or hiking in the Grand Canyon before or not. The videos, pictures, links, and stories in our app will put you in the raft and on the trail. Josara also has an app on Antarctica, which your legion of Australian fans might enjoy. And we have an app on San Jacinto, which we did in partnership with the Great Texas State Historical Association. You can find all our apps by searching for Josara in the App Store. That's J-O-S-A-R-A. Thanks to Larry for his review of his apps and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for one of these apps, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put either Grand Canyon or Antarctica or San Jacinto. In the subject line, notice the use of the word or. The fourth app we have promo codes for is the app Files Finder Edition. This is an app for the iPad only. 
And per the description, quote, if you have to name one app which you miss most on your iPad, what would it be? Well, if you use and love your iPad as much as we do, then it ought to be Explorer for Windows users and Finder for the ones who are coming from a Mac world. To understand it in one sentence, Files is just that. The same familiar interface, convenience, and usability of Finder right on your iPad. It is not just an Explorer, but a complete file media organization tool along with documents and Excel editing capabilities, unquote. Thanks to the dev for sending along the promo codes to give away on this one. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Finder in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app. If you send in multiple emails or ask for multiple apps in a single email, then, well, no soup for you. Oh, I miss saying that. Our quick reminder, if you are an app developer or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or the author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Into the email bag. Good morning, Rob. I have heard over and over this morning about a security breach with email attachments with the new iOS 7.1.1. Can you tell me if this is true or is it just type? If it is true, is it only with emails or with text messages as well? Yes, I've Googled the subject and as expected found some articles on it, but I figured I'd find articles on anything that gives bad news about Apple. Regards, Beth. Well, first, thanks to Chris in London and quite a few others for sending in links to articles on this, which is kind of a confirmation for an upcoming release of iOS 7.1.2. Well, okay, it's about the issue with the email attachments and the encryption in iOS 7.1 and 7.1.1 and other recent releases of iOS 7.x. And the issue is there is no extra encryption of the attachments like Apple said there was. Now, if you do not passcode protect your iOS device, this is a non-story for you. As to exploit this, they, let's call them the bad men, they would need, the bad men, would need to physically have possession of your device. And if they had yours and you have no passcode, well, then they would not need to use the exploit. For those that don't lock down your iOS devices, you can go ahead and tune out for a couple of minutes or so. Everyone else, how does this exploit work? Well, it seems attachments to email are not encrypted on your device, and if you can get access to an iOS device file system, you could find those attachments. To get that access without the passcode means you need to put the phone in DF, into DFU mode and access via SSH. This does require getting past the passcode using passcode bypassing software or performing a jailbreak on the device. CNN called this a major security issue. I would say it's a bug that will be patched in iOS 7.1.2. If you are someone that has email attachments with the next crop report for oranges, and you have a large holding and frozen concentrated orange juice futures, well then, for you, you might want to upgrade to an iPhone 5S or an iPad Air, as those devices don't allow access to the file system. The hacker, I mean security expert that discovered this, said he reported it to Apple and then when iOS 7.1.1 came out and he saw that Apple had not listened to him about the seriousness of this, he became sad. And when German security experts are sad, they put up blog posts detailing how to exploit security vulnerabilities. And when blog posts about exploiting iOS vulnerabilities are put up, major news outlets eventually report on it. And when major news outlets report about security vulnerabilities in iOS, then bad guys learn of new security vulnerabilities. When bad guys learn about security vulnerabilities, they use said vulnerabilities. And when said bad guys use said vulnerabilities, Apple releases a patch. And then the German security experts are no longer sad. Don't let your German security experts be sad. Apple just patched the bug. Again, I do not consider this a major security bug. A major security issue is where email can be read midstream or accessed remotely, which again, this is not, even though some blog posts make it sound that way. 
That said, this is one that made it to CNN, which means it is a pretty public security issue. You can go and look at the links in the show notes for more info on this. And yes, if you are in government or corporate world, this is an issue you need to know about. The workaround now, get an iPhone 5S or don't send secure info as an attachment to iOS devices or don't let your iOS devices get stolen or a combo thereof. Or just look for iOS 7.1.2 coming to a download near you very soon. Once again, this is a security issue that would require the bad men to have physical access to your device, i.e. they have to have it in their hands. This next one will be in a future How Wrong Were They? Actually, it'll be in two future How Wrongs Were They? It'll be the first episode of 2020 and the first episode of 2021. And actually, it is by someone who has to be, at times, the dumbest VC in America, Fred Wilson. This is a guy a couple of years ago pushing startups to develop first for Android, then iOS. A stance pretty much everyone today agrees is stupid, and, well, a few years ago was really stupid. Well, this is not to rehash old stupidity from Fred, because if we did that, then, yeah, we'd also talk about when he publicly sold all his stock in Apple at $91 a share and told others to do the same. Yeah. With Apple now at, well, $600 this past week that it hit, a little over, how'd that work out for you, Fred? Again, this is not about Fred's past stupidity. This is to talk about new stupidity from Fred, this time on the stage of TechCrunch Disrupt talking to Michael Arrington. Fred said, by 2020, Apple would not be one of the top three tech companies as far as market cap. His reasoning is Apple is rooted in hardware, and all hardware is becoming commodity items. Except, you know, when that hardware is from Apple, and is not a commodity, but a luxury item. Fred said the future is all about the cloud, and Apple is not good in the cloud. Yes, because everyone is so excited to give all their data over to the NSA. I mean, Google. Fred has pretty much been an Apple hater for a long time, and an Android fanboy for a long time. Yeah, he would not be getting accepted to our Google Plus community. And Fred has said some dumb things, but to say Apple will not be one of the top three tech companies in five plus years, but Google and Facebook will be, it's a stretch at best. Apple is one that is actually, you know, hitting and exceeding their quarterly guidance. Google, nine out of 10 misses for the last 10 quarters. Facebook is in a market that shows it is susceptible to fads and changes in users' tastes and preferences. At least when you look at recent past data and trends, Apple looks to be in a good place for future dominance. And I think Fred completely dismissed that people don't want commoditized hardware. He thinks they do want it. I, I don't think they do. They want the best hardware, something that looks good and feels good when held. If I was going to pick the top three tech companies in 2020, I would pick Apple, Tesla, and Netflix for market cap value. These are the three companies with loyal, loyal, loyal followings. Plus, what Tesla has planned for their lithium-ion battery plant, some amazing stuff on the Tesla side. I guess we'll see the first week in 2020 and the first week in 2021 how Fred and I did on those predictions. As per the gentleman in episode 305 asking for a, an app that can basically log his mileage as he travels from place to place, I have found TripLog in the App Store very useful. Basically, it logs your location based on either the street address, house number, or the longitude and latitude, and records your mileage as you travel. Obviously, as soon as you plug it into a power source and start moving up to five miles an hour, it starts, it activates automatically if you set it to do so. I believe it's available as a free app in the App Store, but there is the option of an in-app upgrade, which gives you a few more capabilities. I hope this gentleman finds this app useful because I have found it very in my line of work. Thanks a lot for the show. Keep up the good work. Tosin Oladini from Hockley Heath. Falls. Tosin, thanks for your heads up on TripLog. 
into the email bag. Hey Rob, I just heard your interview with Stephen from Freedom Pop, and one of the questions that I was hoping you would ask is how does this business model of free service work for them, and what's the hook? And how do their plans compare to AT&T's shared 10 gigabyte plan? Regards, John. Hi, John. I did talk to him about that, but it did not make the cut for the interview. My issues in editing did not like the way I sounded. Anyway, essentially, their business model is a standard freemium model. Offer a free offering and get as many users to upgrade as possible for the paid service. If you paid for two years up front, it's a $5 a month plan for unlimited talk and text, and you get 500 megabytes of data with that. Then for any additional data over that 500 meg, you pay two and a half cents a megabyte. So if you are using 10 gigabytes of data, then it's not so low cost. This service is more for those that use in the half a gig to two gig range per month. Remember, as he said in the interview, it's two and a half cents per megabyte for data over 500 megabyte initial allotment. In the case of less than two gigabytes of storage, the service is much cheaper than AT&T. Actually, the plan, or for the plan I'm on now with AT&T, the old grandfathered unlimited plan, I would need to use more than four gig of data to make it more expensive uh, on Freedom Pop than with my AT&T plan. This is a nice offering for those looking for phones uh, for their kids where they limit data usage. Uh, in those cases, you could spend just $5 a month for their iPhone plan. Back to email bag. Hi, Rob, I have a question on the Freedom Pop hotspot. I was planning on getting the Freedom Pot hotspot for the car. We have a decommissioned iPhone for our kids' use for entertainment while on the road. I'm afraid that it will every now and then uh, while the iPhone is being recharged and uh, it connected to a hotspot using Wi-Fi, it will try to do a Wi-Fi backup around 3 gig and quickly eat through my data plan. That the easy thing to do would be not to charge the phones while on the hotspot or to back up to iTunes only, but it will eventually happen. Maybe Apple could add another layer to the iCloud backup setting, which sets uh, which hotspots iPhone will use to back up if the iPhone is capable to do this. I don't know where to find it. Regards, Manny asks Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Manny. I would change that iPhone to only backup via iTunes when plugged in. No Wi-Fi backups slinks. No real reason for its use to be otherwise. But good point for me to mention on the show, which I'm doing now. If you are using an older iOS device like this, don't connect back up with iCloud or Wi-Fi to iTunes. You know, change it to only sync slash backup via a hardline connection to iTunes, especially if you plan to use a portable hotspot with limited free bandwidth. Also, someone emailed in about the Freedom Pop Photon Platinum Hotspot. Uh, the list price they were seeing was $99, but the price you can get it from uh, them is $24.99, which I did purchase this past week for a total of $31.98, which includes standard shipping. I should have it by next episode. Remember, when you do sign up for this plan, you get 500 megabytes free uh, to go into the billing um, when you, before it even gets to you, and turn off the top off option. Or you want to make sure that's turned off, um, which per the last episode in the interview was mentioned as being on by default. And yes, it was. So again, turn that off. Also, if you want to friend me, todayinios at gmail.com, that gets you 50 megabytes of additional data free for some usage. I will talk more about the hotspot in future episodes once I get it, which is not until the end of this week, early next week. Remember that when they say that for this $24.99 plan for the Photon uh, Platinum hotspot, that is for 4G hotspot, and 4G hotspot on Sprint means WiMAX, not LTE. So it's not an LTE hotspot. It's their WiMAX hotspot. Uh, so if you want the LTE one, there's a higher price. I think it's 199 But for the 4G on Sprint, and it depends on where you live, because what I've seen from one other listener is that he's down in Florida, and he's having a hard time getting that uh, Photon Platinum hotspot to show up because of his location. So it probably means he's not in the Sprint 4G coverage area. 
Hello, Rob. Uh, this is Justin from Pennsylvania. I was calling uh, a caller called about you actually had a solution for the person that was sharing a uh, Apple ID and uh, was having a problem with their phone ringing. Well, I actually had it reminded me of something that to my wife and I share a Apple ID and it runs into some problems like where all of a sudden you have like when you want to use iCloud it becomes a problem. The one thing that I found was I actually created a separate free Apple ID and then we both we use that way I use the store account and then the store account has my iCloud account and then my wife uses the free like five gig iCloud account. That way we can both have our own separate iCloud using and uh, I find it works out pretty well. I mean I mean it'd be nice if we had a shared calendar, um which we don't have, but we don't really need it because our you know, our schedules I can always add hers on the mine if I need to and I don't really have a lot of overlap where I need that functionality. But it just reminded me of, you know, when you want to share the purchases you make so you don't have to buy everything twice, there are some issues that come up that I think a lot of people end up maybe just having two separate Apple IDs and then buy things separately, which can be, you know, I mean, a lot of times, like my wife and I use a lot of the same apps and I hate to buy them twice. So I just a little suggestion out there if um, anyone was wondering how you could handle that because I think there's a lot of people that share Apple IDs so that they can, you know, share purchases. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rob. I love the show and uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Justin, thanks for the feedback. We are now well over 700 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. And for the heads up from Lawrence McFarland, who said, quote, between May 4th and 10th, Target is offering a free $50 gift card with the purchase of an iPad Air or an iPad Mini with Retina display, unquote. Again, thanks for the heads up, Lawrence, which is a nice added bonus for anyone looking to get an iPad for their mom or wife for Mother's Day. One question in the Google Plus community this past week came from Bruce Patterson, who asked, quote, Is it just me or the iPhone 5S's antenna sucks in large buildings? Example, Costco, unquote. Well, Bruce, how good your reception indoors is will depend on a lot of one of the carrier that you are using for that location and how close their closest cell tower is and what frequency they are on. Lower frequencies tend to penetrate buildings better than higher. If your carrier in your local cell is running 800 megahertz versus 1900 megahertz for another carrier, then you, in theory, would get better coverage, all other factors being equal, which they never are. There are some indoor locations like Sam's Club and Costco that I get great reception in. There are others, like my church, that I do not. Not that I'm checking emails at church or anything, because, well, it's a dead zone. Overall, it really has to do more about who your carrier is, what type of coverage they have in your area, and where you are at that time versus local cell sites. But to answer your question, no, it's not just you. But then again, it's not everybody else either. Per the community, this past week, there were dozens and dozens of other new posts in our community, and all in an Android boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in, and thanks to all the 700 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I have an amazing idea for an app, and I was wondering if you or and or your audience could give me a few pointers or tips on how to make this thing happen. Links, names of books, websites, or anything will be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Love the show. Kristen. Well, Kristen, thanks for the nice lead-in to today's advertiser, which is lynda.com, who is exactly who you need to learn to program and build apps. And if you go to lynda.com slash T-I-I, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-I-I, you'll get a free seven-day trial to their service. They offer over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. These courses cover subjects including business skills like SEO, viral marketing, content marketing, and negotiating, which you'll need later on when your app blows up and... Facebook wants to buy you for $19 billion. There are software video courses covering MS Office, Adobe Creative Suite, and, yep, Final Cut Pro. And, of course, there are 
iOS app development courses. There are over 30 iOS courses available at lynda.com right now. There is a new one that was released on April 23rd titled Building a Note-Taking App for iOS 7 by Todd Perkins, which takes you through the whole process of building a specific app. Todd also has a tutorial, Programming for Non-Programmers, iOS 7, that was released on April 10th. We are talking about very new and up-to-date tutorials. There is everything you need to learn how to program and more, specifically how to program for an iOS 7 app. 30 iOS tutorials plus the other 2,000 tutorials are all available for you for one low monthly fee of just 25 bucks. This is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. There are searchable transcripts read along, along with closed caption transcripts. And you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their tutorials. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for seven days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode and for helping out, Kristen. My suggestion to Kristen is for you to plan a week's vacation. Get your Mac ahead of time. Yes, you need a Mac if you don't have one. Then go to lynda.com slash TII. You need the Mac, not for Lynda, but for developing the apps. And spend a week going through their tutorials. And at the end of the week, you will see it is definitely worth sticking around for more tutorials. Good luck, Kristen. And please, once you get that app built, let us know what it is. Thanks to all that sent in links about this next story. And really, it is an old story. Well, not the exact specifics, which this time involves a 26-year-old yoga instructor named Miss McGuire from West Hollywood. But the basic story is the same as past stories. Person has their iPhone or iPad stolen. Person uses Find My iPhone to locate said iOS device. And then said person, defying all logic or personal safety, goes to the stranger's house in a seedy part of town to confront the person that has their iOS device. Luckily for Miss McGuire, the perp in this story just handed over her iOS device. But the person could have just as easily grabbed her dragged her into his house, and, well, this is where the director cuts to a shot of a crow flapping its wings and a close-up on the face of the crow. Yeah, not good things could have happened. Best to contact the local police and get them to knock on the door and ask for said device back. Remember, as great as the iPhone is, it is not worth losing your life over. I know I said that before, but it is always worth repeating. Contact your local law enforcement officials. That is what they are there for. Tell them your device is stolen and you have the address and location of where it is. They are there to serve you. Let them do their job. Plus, I work really hard to get listeners to the show and I don't need any of you throwing your life away and bringing down my numbers. Just saying. Before we get into rumors about future iPhones, which most feel will be bigger... It's worth mentioning a really great blog post at Apple Insider from Daniel Aaron Dilger. Uh, Dilger, I don't know, getting his name wrong. But anyway, whose posts are really like little novels. He really puts in a lot of research and thought into his posts. And his latest one is really great. Great it is, I tell you. It is titled, Before Apple's iPhone Was Too Small, It Was Too Monstrously Big. He does a great job of pulling together info from back when the iPhone first launched to info recently uncovered in Apple's latest Apple v. Samsung trial, like this wonderful nugget from Sammy about their phone. Quote, while people like our phones, they don't exhibit the same kind of passion and loyalty as they do with the iPhone, unquote. Anyway, it is a very full article, thousands of words, and gives a really detailed history of the iPhone and its competitors, plus speculation on the future. Thanks, Daniel, for the post. He really is becoming one of my favorite bloggers out there. I need to see about getting him on the show sometime. Hi, Rob. This is Salim from Montreal, Canada, and I want to give my prediction on the new iPhones that are going to come out in uh, September of or October of 2014. I heard you talk about the iPhone 6 Air and iPhone 6 Pro. I don't think they're going to call it 6 Pro and 6 Air. It'll just be iPhone Air and an iPhone Pro, just like the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro. Also, the MacBook 
I mean, iPhone Air will be 4.7 inch, while the iPhone Pro will be 5.5 inch. Um, the iPhone Air will be just like an iPod Touch, uh, in which it will be just larger, in um, uh, as we all know, uh, and it will be transformed into a iPhone. Um, if you take the size difference with the iPod Touch 4th generation and the iPod Touch 5th generation, it is significantly lighter and thinner. With this new unibody design, with this iPod Touch, it's been 5th generation, it's been super light and much more thinner. As you can see with the iPad Air and the iPad Mini, they've made that design and everything fits snugly inside and it's perfect. Because of that design, everything becomes lighter and uh, thinner as well. That's why they call it the iPad Air, and I think they're going to make that same transition with the iPhone, because it just makes sense. Also, I wanted to uh, um, ask you, what are your two cents on the iPod Touch 5th generation, and do you think they're going to make a 6th generation iPod Touch, and would it be any benefit if they did? Thanks. Salim, thanks for your feedback. I do believe there's going to be a 6th-gen iPod Touch. Do I think it's going to be the same form factor size as the next iPhone, or what you call the iPhone Air or the iPhone Pro? Maybe not. Maybe what they do with the next-generation iPod Touch, it's, again, nothing any different than the current iPhone 5S as far as size goes and screen real estate. And they leave it at that. And then if you want anything bigger, then you go to the iPad mini. So basically they keep the iPod touch at the current size and then the iPad mini in between. And then in between of all those sizes, you've got the iPhones. They're not selling a lot of iPods anymore. So um, I don't see them increasing the product line. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll go with the uh, iPod touch that's in between the current iPhone and the iPad mini, but I don't see it. I, I think they're going to stick with the current size of the iPhone 5S for the next generation iPod mini, or excuse me, iPod, and uh, then you can go to the iPad mini for the next size if you want a non-iPhone device. Oh, and speaking of next iPhone or iPhones, iDownload blog has a post with some iPhone 6 dummy units not sure if by dummy units they mean devices leaked to fool us, dummies, or that the units are non-working mock-ups. I think maybe the latter, but could be the former. What does said unit look like? Well, what you would expect. One button on the face, lots of glass, and it's wider and longer than the current iPhone. The back on this one shows a single flash, which leads me to think fake. It's also silver in color, which doesn't lead me to think anything. And the sleep-wake button is moved from the top to the right side. Because, yes, we all want the sleep-wake button right where we hold the unit. My only thought on this overall, or my thought on this overall, is please be a fake. There are other pictures of what could be the next iPhone. This time it is black and not silver. And, well, it also has the wake-sleep button on the right side, not at the top. Ugh. Hoping this is not to be. Me like sleep button on top, way from big clunky left hand, which is what I hold iPhone with. And this is not a good combo for lefties. I just hope they have some left-handed folks at the top of Apple's corporate structure. There's also more speculation about iOS 8. I don't want to call it rumors, but speculations as really most of it is attributed to, well, guesswork. Healthbook being one of the most speculated new features... The question that most ask is, will it need an iWatch to make it worthwhile, or will it easily work with third-party connected devices in the health and fitness world? Maps is also expected to get major updates. Most of said speculation about Maps comes from all the Maps acquisitions Apple has been doing lately. I am guessing what most people want in this area is better public transit info and better route options and more intelligent routing options based on real-time traffic situations. Another rumor is with Game Center. In iOS 7, they removed the felt. In iOS 8, they will remove the icon. Yet basically, the app itself goes away, and they just make its features something that is built into other apps. 
There are other comments about iTunes radio improvement, Touch ID expanding its uses, and Siri getting major upgrades to, well, you know, do useful stuff. Still, at this point, most speculation is at the 10,000-foot level at best. I really was expecting more specific rumors about iOS by now. Seems Apple internally for OS development has a good lid on rumors. It's when that stuff moves over to Asia that all the secrets go to heck in a handbasket. Thanks to Nathan for the heads up on this next one, which, well, goes back to Samsung. I have received some grief for bashing Sammy in the past, and, well, read this article in Vanity Fair titled The Great Smartphone War, and you will see all the bashing I did on Sammy was not just warranted, it was much, much too tame. Samsung, as painted in this article, is a company full of liars, backstabbers, and thieves. A company where one of their own lawyers said they could not tell the truth if their life depended on it. It is a picture of Sammy employees destroying evidence, skirting the law, and in some cases even eating evidence to keep it away from lawyers. They talk about Sammy organizing illegal pricing deals with competitors, and then at the first sign of trouble running to the law to rat out their co-conspirators, you know, the ones they recruited. Is there no honor among thieves? While Apple gets grief from many, including myself, for getting into lawsuits with Sammy, the article details how it is Sammy that wants those lawsuits as a delay tactic. Plain and simple, as I said before, and this article clearly points out, Samsung is a company apparently devoid of any level of ethics, morality, or regard for the law. But then again, don't take my word for it. Read the article, and afterwards, you will think twice before ever buying anything with the Samsung brand name on it. I know I never will again. One thing I learned in the Vanity Fair article is the name Samsung means three stars. Sure, if those stars are Tommy Wiseau, Greg Sesestro, and Juliet Daniel. Hey, give yourself five stars if you got that joke. Hello, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania again. I was uh, calling in response to you asking what people use for podcast apps and whatnot. Um, obviously, I use the TII app for your, for your show, but what I use for my general podcasting is I use Downcast, which is probably no surprise. Now, I have used Instacast. Now, when it first came out, I really liked Instacast. But then, over time, they started, like, adding where you had to say, where you had to re- basically rebuy the app with in-app purchases to get these new functionalities. And not that I'm against it, but apparently, like, now, even though I bought an old version, of, I have an old version of Instacast, which is no longer supported. They've actually completely abandoned it. So, like, I can't even go back. I can't even try the first one. I find that app to be a very, like, money-hungry developer that didn't do it the right way. And feel like they, I, their, their comment selection, I think, shows that where you really see. I mean, I know that these apps are not so cheap, and you don't make a ton of money sometimes, and all that. But Instacast, I found to be very. I, I was disappointed although over the long-term support because you know I listen to podcasts every day, and you need to support it for a few years to be worthwhile to me. And now I've also tried the Apple Podcast. I, I find it to be terrible. I don't think it's a good experience. I had all kinds of problems at the beginning. I've retried it a couple times, and it doesn't have the same playlisting that Downcast has. That's really what's key for me. I can have everything set by priority of what I like, and like when new podcasts I really enjoy, they'll go to the top. And I just really find that it's easier to do on Downcast than at least, and I find it just works better for me. So for me, it's Downcast, and that's the reason why. It's just a very dynamic, full-featured app. That also, when you change devices, you can migrate. You can migrate the files and the actual subscriptions right to the other app. Never need a computer involved. It just works in the background for refreshing. I find it to be great. So I highly, highly recommend Downcast. It's totally worth the money for it. And I mean, it's a big upgrade from what Apple offers, in my opinion. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rob. I love the show and have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Rob, it's Eric from AppChasers.com. Uh, in the last episode, you had asked about uh, what podcast apps we use, 
And I really like using Pocket Casts by Shifty Jelly. A couple of the features that I really like are the ability to start an episode at a selected time interval so you could skip over any theme music or any introductory remarks and go right into the podcast that way. You can also um, set specified uh, skip times. So fast forward and rewind, you can set up uh, different time intervals for that, whatever you want. You can just touch the sides of the icon while a podcast is playing um, the album art in order to skip ahead or skip backwards. And I also like that you can send uh, episodes to your friends at a specific time marker. So you can say current position and uh, send them that through a message or an email or any of the social networks. And then uh, they'll be able to start the podcast right where you want them to uh, hear a specific point. All right, so that's my vote for Pocket Casts, and I've also got a, a review of it on my website, appchasers.com, if any of your listeners want to take a look. Thanks for all you do, Rob. Hey, Rob. Todd from Southington, Connecticut. Just had a couple of replies to your la- uh, latest episode. Just got done listening to it. Uh, first one, I'm using iCatcher. Great uh, podcast uh, manager, organizer, catcher, whatever you want to call it. Had no problems with it. They update it regularly, and it's been great for the seven or eight podcasts that I listen to on a weekly basis. And just want to answer the question that the gentleman had about uh, getting a separate phone number and having that, giving that out, having that ring to his phone. Uh, the app Talkatone, which is available iPhone or iPad, is I think the answer he's looking for. It used to be tied in with Google Voice. Google Voice, I guess, is no longer allowing third parties, so that's not the case anymore. But now they're just kind of working on their own. They'll give you a unique phone number. Uh, you can use that over 4G or LTE to make phone calls, also to send text messages, uh, all from the app. And it'll actually will ring your phone if you want to, uh, but a call is put through to your uh, to the pocket phone number that uh, you can actually select for your code, and it gives you a list of numbers to choose from. Pocket phone, it's free. I know in Google Voice was tied in with it for 15 or 20 bucks. I think you could get rid of the ads uh, in the in the app, and I think it gave you some extra features, some extra calling features. So that might be a cheap op- option for him. He doesn't have to give out his regular cell phone number. Thanks, Rob. Talk to you. Bye. Gentlemen, thanks for your feedback. Into the email bag on this subject. Hi, Rob. I use iCatcher for my 70 podcasts. One thing I like is multiple skip forward back, the standard 30-second skip forward or back and the on the app screen customize swipe right and left so i have the standard 30 sec forward and back uh, 60 sec forward and 15 sec back regards mike r in texas hi rob i use eyecatcher somebody should create a chart comparing all these features and these apps i like how eyecatcher allows pause resume just by tapping jumping forward or back with the swipe in either direction and speed changes with swipes in the vertical direction. The background quality downloading works flawlessly and the options for how to handle red podcasts can be tailored for each podcast. I can only quibble about the size of the back button or maybe the play pause button, but lots of iOS 7 apps have those issues. Of course, in the podcast app space, all the talk is about Marco Arment's yet to be released app Overcast. We'll see if he can do a pitch or get enough testimonials to convince me to buy. Regards, Dan. Hi, Rob. Pocket Casts 4.4.1 by Shifty Jelly is what I use daily. Download multiple podcasts in parallel. Just is everything right. Regards, Kenneth Y. Switching gears, I had Jason H. write in about an issue with the iPhone 4 whose power button was not working anymore. He asked for some advice, I gave some suggestions, but what he found that worked was letting the iPhone 4 run all the way down completely until it was dead, as in zip, not a no charge left. Then they charged it up to full, and that seems to have fixed the issue with the power button. Something to think of if you have a non-iPhone 5 with power button issues. Of course, if you have the iPhone 5 with power button issues, just take it to your Apple store and get it replaced. Hi, Rob. This is Ron from Youngstown, Ohio area. Actually, Hubbard, Ohio. 
I was calling about the guy that was trying to find out how to do another line without giving out his cell phone's line. Uh, one possibility is using uh, none other than uh, Magic Jack. With Magic Jack, you could have it ring onto a regular telephone, or you can actually have it ring right onto your iOS device. That's one way to go, because uh, literally when my phone rings in my home, my uh, iPod Touch starts ringing too. That's one possibility. Also, one of the main uh, complaints are, are that there's no USB uh, connection available on iOS devices. Well, there's a device called Media Streamer, which I have found only available at Walmart. It's right where they sell the uh, like blank USB dongles and that type of thing and uh, blank hard drives for backing up and that type of thing. And what it does is it has a device that allows you to go and put files onto it and then access them uh, via Wi-Fi. And by doing that, you can uh, easily do another, uh, say, 64 gig with no problem. All you got to do is turn this device on. It also has a feature that allows you to, once once you're connected to it, uh, do a bridge through to your main Wi-Fi so that you're still on the Wi-Fi Internet and uh, still able to access the files at the same time. So it literally connects to the Internet, and then you connect to the Internet through it. That's one other possibility. All right. uh, Well, that's what I've got on it. Uh, Once again, this is Ron from Hubbard, Ohio. Okay. Bye-bye. Hello. This is Roberto Perez from Florida. I'm just listening to the show. This is my first time listening to the show. I think it's even my first time giving a call to a podcast, which is interesting for me. I want to give a response to the guy who is asking about a second line for his phone, a second phone number to do work. There is an app in the App Store called Second Line. I haven't tried it out. I think it's $10 a month. I can't answer because I'm being involved in the same issue these days. There is another option. It's a service called Local Phone. They have an iPhone app too. It is a SIP provider, so you can use a SIP client like Bria. B-R-I-A, to connect to it. You can rent a U.S. phone number for, I think it's 99 cents a month. And then you can receive calls for free. They have U.S. subscriptions. I think it's $1 and something. You get a 100 minutes. There is also the possibility to get a Skype number. I don't know how much it costs, but it might, be, it might not be though so expensive. Another option is Magic Jack. I think they are giving free U.S. numbers, U.S. and Canada numbers, and there it is a VoIP service. So there are many options out there. Hope it might help. Thank you. Hi, Rob. This is Bruce uh, from Santa Clara, California, and I'm responding to the caller who was asking about uh, methods to get another phone number. Uh, for his uh, art business, and I honestly find Google Voice to be absolutely fantastic as a second line. He can just use it as a catch-all to grab voicemail, or he can choose to forward it, and then he can get, obviously, he can get notifications uh, that the call occurred. Uh, Another feature that I like is that it translates the voice into text, so you can set it up so you get a text message with the content of what the person was calling about in the text, and that's really nice because then you can basically manage and decide uh, when and if you're going to respond, and again, you kind of get that pretty soon after the call occurs, it's both a notification as well as getting the contents of the message uh, without actually having to talk to someone. Again, that's really good. And also, he, when he calls out, calling out, he doesn't have to expose his personal phone number because Google Voice provides voice over IP. So one option would be if he calls uh, the person back, he can call just simply using Google Voice the phone calls are free, uh, so there's no cost there, and uh, he protects his privacy a little bit by not exposing his phone number. So I would highly recommend he at least experiment with Google Voice. 
Um, maybe just give the number to some friends or family or something and see how he likes it. But I use Google Voice as my primary phone number. I have forgotten my own cell number and only give my Google Voice number to everyone uh, because I find it so valuable. And uh, the features are just great. I love getting the texts and being able to read uh, what the voicemail was about. Um, that's just a fantastic feature, especially for somebody in business who's in meetings all the time, can't take phone calls. Um, it's a fantastic option. So that's it. Take care, Rob. Great show. Folks, once again, thanks for all your feedback on those questions. This week for Kickstarter Projects, it is the TTI 100, not to be confused with the TII 100. The TTI 100 is the titanium roller pen and stylus for iPad, which is, quote, the world's most precision titanium pen. Stylus mod can update along with development of screen technology. Only a new mod, unquote. Okay, they need some help with their description. This is their second Kickstarter project. The first one was the TTI 120. Yeah, not sure why they went down in numbers. Oh, wait, I see. T equals true, TI equals titanium, and 100 equals diameter, as in 10.0 millimeters. So the other was 12.0 millimeters. I get it. They have just until May 14th at 1.50 p.m. Central Time to fund this, and luckily their goal is just 10000 and currently they are over $9,200, so this looks to be getting funded. Pricing on this varies from 110 to 180 depending on the options. Essentially, it comes down to this. Are you looking for a pen stylus that is very fashionable? Or as they say, the world's most precision titanium pen. Sorry, grammar police and me coming out. It's about time, some of you will say. Yay, easy now. Well, if you are looking for a good-looking pen stylus that is functional, as you can get replacing tips, then this is something to look into. Okay, Billy Mays, I am not. Anyway, search for TTI-100 in kickstarter.com or look for the links in the show notes for episode 306 over at todayinios.com. Sorry if I phoned that one in. I probably should have put this next one in the rumor section. Hey, if you pay attention, you'll see I segment this show into sections. But really decided to move it out of the rumor section because I didn't consider a rumor as much as a no-duh and that is reports through Asian Tech Press, which, yes, I know, by definition, is rumor reporting at best. And, well, it is about the iPhone 6 and iPad Air 2 and iPad Mini 3 all getting Touch ID. And, again, no duh. Think of Touch ID like Siri. First started out with just the iPhone 4S, but then spread to all new iOS devices. As iMore says... Does anyone like unlocking their iOS device like animals? Of course not. And for anyone that has an iPhone 5S plus also has another iOS device, you know that wah-wah-wah feeling when you try to unlock the other iOS device with your thumb and it does not work. Well, guess what? Apple execs have other iOS devices and they feel your frustration too. And now the supply chain is full of Touch ID components, which means we should expect to see Touch ID on all new top-of-the-line iOS devices in the fall. Again, not a rumor, just a no-duh kind of report. Hey, Rob, this is Derek. I'm asking them about the uh, the Apple split. I know you didn't really explain it in detail, but what does that mean if you have, say, one uh, share of Apple stock and after the split happens? That value, how does that work? Like, uh, does that do you get seven times whatever you spent? Say you spent five, whatever, five hundred and thirty dollars, whatever it is. Is that split in half, or does it split seven times? Or is it seven times the value of the current current value? How does that work? Can you explain that a little better? I pre- I would I would appreciate it. Thank you. And to go along with Derek's voicemail is this email. Hi Rob, quick question on the Apple Seven for One. If I have one stock worth $600, when the 7 for 1 happens, will all 7 be worth 600 Or will my 600 uh, by 
times seven at that time, making all stock worth over 4,000. Just wondering if you knew regards H. And for others that are also wondering, a stock split does not increase the dollar amount you have, just the number of shares of that stock, but at a now lower value per share. Say on June 2nd, when Apple splits the stock, that a single stock share pre-split, if it's worth, say, $700. After it does the 7 for 1 split, each share would then be worth $100 when it starts trading after the split. So you still have $700 worth of stock. Just now you have seven shares worth $100 each instead of one share worth $700 each. The reason for the split is purely psychological. Everyday consumers are more likely to buy one share at $100 than save up and get one share at $700. It makes the shares more accessible to the regular everyday Joe or Jane investor. H wrote back to say, quote, Thanks for the info. I have been doing research for two days and talking to everyone I know to make sure all the info adds up since I am new to the stock purchasing world, unquote. See, it is already having that effect that Apple was hoping for, getting more of the Apple fanboys to buy Apple stock. Well, that and possibly to make Apple more appealing as an addition to the Dow. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. On the Apple TV update, the problem has happened to me before. After calling Apple once, the solution was to actually disconnect the device from the TV and connect it to the computer and iTunes on the computer and do the update from there. Then reconnect to the TV, and that should solve the problem. Cheers, Chris in London. Hi, Rob. It's Dave in San Jose. I just wanted to respond to Joe Jackson's question about the problematic Apple TV updates. I also had problems, but with the automatic updates, uh, the ones where it alerts you there's an update waiting and you tell it to go ahead, that failed on me a couple of times. So then I went to settings, general software updates, and I did it manually, and the manual update worked fine. So that would be my recommendation to Joe, as well as your other listeners who may own Apple TVs, uh, to try doing the manual update before doing a factory reset. I always do a factory reset as a last resort, so uh, that would be my recommendation. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Bye. Hi, Rob. I have an iPod Touch device that can only go as high as iOS 6, and it is not jailbroken. Is there an app that will download YouTube videos so that I can watch these downloads videos offline? Regards, John. Hi, John. I'm not aware of said app that does not require you to be jailbroken. But if anyone out there knows of an app that works with iOS 6 and allows you to download YouTube videos for playback offline, i.e. in airplane mode, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. I have more than three favorite jailbreak tweaks, but I will leave room for others on the show to share. I have a jailbroken iPhone 5S. First and foremost is Byte SMS. I don't know if I can ever go back to the stock iOS because of this one tweak alone. This is worth the $8 all day long because it allows you to respond to SMSs within any app. No more switching between apps to answer text. Also, it lets you customize the colors, blacklist people so that their texts don't notify you, and it allows you to make a one of quick compose message that you can easily send to people as a reply. You can also schedule messages to send to people as well. Showcase is one of my favorite tweaks because your virtual keyboard will show you lowercase when you are in lowercase and upper when you are in uppercase. That makes the shift thing a moot point. If Apple just implemented this simple feature, no one would care about the shift key. It makes sense, and it seems like a simple fix for a virtual keyboard. And then there is iTouch Secure is my new favorite tweak. I picked it up after listening to the podcast. Let's talk jailbreak over at idownload.blog.com. This takes Touch ID to another level. If you have iCloud Keychain turned on, 
your passwords are being stored securely there. After loading this tweak, it is on in your settings, and after logging into each of your password-protected accounts, it is stored in the keychain. You have to log in again after installing the tweak. Instead of having to type in your password any longer, it uses Touch ID as your authentication for the password, and it automatically enters your password for you by scanning your registered fingerprint. Then when you go type in a password in an app or in your browser, in the right corner of the password field, you will see a little red thumbprint and the field will have a small green box around it. This lets you know that your iCloud keychain password is ready to be entered via using your Touch ID registered print. Love this, it saves you time, it's secure, and no more typing those bothersome passwords in. Regards, Ellen M. Ellen, thanks for your thoughts on Byte SMS, Showcase, and iTouch Secure. Hey, Rob, uh, this is Ron uh, from uh, Hubbard, Ohio. Just wanted to let you know the device uh, that I was telling you called the Media Streamer. Uh, Media Streamer costs about 40 bucks. So it's not really expensive, but it does not include any type of memory card. You have to use your own SD or, uh, or USB, uh, USB dongle. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. After listening to your podcast, I checked my iPhone 5 serial number, and it did qualify for the recall. It had been giving me problems with the switch, and I thought I had solved the problem by giving it to my wife. But getting it actually repaired seemed like a slightly better solution. So I took it to the Apple store, and they gave my wife a loaner and said it would be about five days to get it back. They have to send it to California for the repair. Thank you very much. Regards, Jim in Lakewood, Colorado. See, Jim, tell your wife you're getting it repaired as a Mother's Day gift. Or maybe not. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to say a big thank you for the tip about the VGA connector, which meant my presentation today went smoothly. Thanks to you, I am known as the Apple Geek now. Regards, Tosano. Hi, Rob. I recently did a full restore of my iPad 2. This will be my first restore that I have done since I got the device back in 2011. The memory before the restore was a 1.1 gig left. After the full restore, the device had 12.2 gigs left. All my apps and photos were synced back using iCloud and nothing appears to be missing from the whole device. I am assuming it must have cleared out some hidden memory on the device. The device is an iPad 32 gig black Wi-Fi model. Regards, Jonah R. Hey, Rob. Uh, this is Ron from Hubbard. Again. <laughs> this is Kirk Tyler called. Just want to let you know, I just heard that thing about the uh, podcast app uh, button disappearing. I have uh, had the uh, iPod Touch uh, with you know, the uh, fifth generation one and the uh, fifth generation one in the past, and I've never had that button disappear on either of those devices. So it's got to be something to do with the cell, cell phone version of the software. For 7.1.1. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that is L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you'll get a free seven-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for supporting the show and for the free offer. If you want to know when new episodes go up, Look at the TI app, not just as the best way to consume the show, but also as a great way to get pushed messages when a new episode goes live or there is other iOS breaking news. Just $2.99 in the App Store. It helps you get the most out of the show and it helps support the show at the same time. Plus, it makes it really easy to email or call the show with your feedback. Again, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback on your iOS device and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app or product review, good or bad. As long as it is iOS related, it is welcomed. Always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. It's your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out 
our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to bone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. 